about three weeks ago, I was invited to speak. <clears throat> this kind of ties into my message. Um, I was invited to speak at the International Convention for Full Gospel Businessmen. And uh, it was their world convention. And uh, while, I, while it was my session and my turn to speak, God had put a message on my heart that um, was really excited about giving. But as I'm, I'm up on the platform waiting, the Lord just begins to show me people. And He speaks to me. He says, I want you to serve dessert first. I want you to start prophesying over people before you give your message. And I don't think I'm going to do that today. But so... So uh, I'm sitting there, and the first guy he shows me is the, uh, the president of the organization. And so I call him out, and I said, I said Bob, I said, uh, the Lord's showing me uh, Simeon in the Bible and how Simeon was a just and devout man. He was found in the temple praying daily, and it was promised him that he would not depart, that he would not die until he saw the consummation of Israel. In other words, he wouldn't, he wouldn't be taken home before he saw the consummation of what he was been praying for. I said, and the Lord shows me, Bob, that you're like Him, that you have um, uh, labored, and there's things that, that we're even seeing in this convention, and it was an awesome convention. They really, they released the next generation is what they did. And, and that, the move of God through that younger generation was better than I've seen at conventions where they had some of the biggest named speakers in the body of Christ. They had, you know, Catherine Kuhlman and Benny Hinn and Rodney Howard Brown, and I mean, I could name uh, Oral Roberts, you name uh, Kenneth Cole. They had people all through the, through. Uh, the years at these conventions, and yet through these unnamed youth, uh, as they just opened up and let them have the floor and have the microphone, God moved powerfully, more powerfully than I've seen Him move in, in anything. So I, I was prophesying over Him, and the Lord was commending Him that what He labored in prayer uh, 25 years ago and gave birth to, that He was actually seeing the fulfillment and the consummation of what He had seen. So that was the word of the Lord. And I said, I see you laying down some responsibilities, but I don't see it as retirement. I see it as a promotion. Well, day before yesterday, we get a phone call that uh, Bob got his promotion. He went on to be with the Lord. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, sometimes you're prophesying things. I did not prophesy that. I did not see that he was going to heaven. But I mean, literally, I spoke to him like Simeon, that he saw the consummation of what he had given birth to. And Lord, the, the Lord took him home. So amazing things that, that God's doing. And it, it ties into my message because I want to talk to you today about um, the power, the privilege, and the responsibility of prayer. The power, the privilege, and the responsibility of prayer. And it's a little bit uh, interesting to come to a, to a church that's really birthed out of a house of prayer, and yet the Lord lays it on my heart. Look, I want you to teach just... Basically, what I'm calling is almost it's like prayer 101, really. And because when I was in school, I don't know about you guys, but there were some subjects I did really well in and other subjects I didn't do that great in. And the things I did well in were the things that I could understand why I was doing it or why I would need that in life. But stuff like algebra, you know, where it was just formulas, I never could get my arms around algebra. I mean, it's just like, this doesn't make sense. Why, how would anybody ever need to know formulas, you know? But like geometry and stuff, you know, I, I did pretty well at history and some other things I did pretty well at. But, but stuff that just didn't make sense is how I'd ever use it in life. I just had no, uh, I didn't have any um, desire to really pursue or try to, to learn or grasp it. And so prayer, a lot of times the reason why we fall flat in prayer is because we don't really understand the importance. We don't understand the, the basics of why we pray and, and our responsibility to pray to see things done. And so... Um, uh, a lot of times when we're praying up here, 
and we're bringing forth prophetic words and then we see you know, the people come up for prayer week after week, sometimes you begin to see certain patterns and it's like there's a disconnect of what sometimes when we've been in the, in the kingdom of God for like 30 years, I've been saved. Um, you know, we take things for granted and we haven't really passed it down to the next generation or we're so familiar with it like what Matthew was talking about. We can become so familiar with the cross and so familiar with God or things of God that we kind of let go of our fervor and we, we let go of some of the basic elements, you know, that we, you know, we shouldn't, um, we should hold fast to those heavenly truths. We got to hold fast. The body of Christ, the, 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 the gospel of Jesus Christ is pretty simple. I mean, it, salvation is, is really simple. In fact, it's so simple, it's a stumbling block, you know, because it's so easy to get saved because it's, it's all based upon faith and believing. And so prayer is one of those things that, that, that is the, the essence of, of, our, of our Christian, of our relationship and our walk with God. And it's, it's the basics of how God gets things done in our life, but how God gets things done in the earth through us praying. And so uh, I want to start at the beginning, which is Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 126, it says, And God created man in His image and gave him dominion over the earth and over the fishes and over the, the, all, the, all the things that creep and all the things that swim. So we got dominion over all the creeps. That's good to know. <laughs> but see, God is, is sovereign. And when God establishes something in His Word, no matter how much He wants to accomplish something, He can only do it by the way He established it. So even though God is a sovereign God, God through his, in His sovereignty, He chose to limit Himself in the earth to doing things through a man. And so God had sovereignty in the earth as long as Adam and Eve were rightly connected to Him. And so everything God accomplished in the earth, He did it through Adam and Eve because He gave them the dominion. So if God wanted to do something in the earth, no matter how much He may want to see it done, unless through the relationship with Adam before the fall, He could not get it done because God gave away that dominion. You see that? And so I want to show that to you, that point. If you look at um, Jeremiah chapter 9, one of the coolest verses in the Old Testament. Jeremiah chapter 9, it says, it says, Thus says the Lord, Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom, or the mighty man boast in his glory, or the mighty man boast in his strength, or the rich man boast in his riches. But let him who boasts, one translation says, "Let him who glories." Let him who boasts glory in this that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord, exercising loving kindness, justice, and righteousness in the earth. So those are the three things that God's saying to 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 boast in. Boast in the in the fact that you understand that God exercises first loving kindness justice and righteousness in the earth. So everything that God does in the earth, He does according to the pattern of His nature, which is loving and kind, which is just, and which is righteous. No man will ever come before God and say unfair. No one will ever, you know, the grace that leads towards salvation, the Bible says, is afforded to every man. Now, I don't know how that is. I don't know whether, you know, all creation cries out there, there's a creator so that man's without an excuse. But no one will ever, ever become, ever be able to come before God and say, Lord, you are unjust, or you didn't allow this, or you couldn't do that. Everything God does is according to His Word and according to His nature of His loving kindness and His goodness. Even as we sung this morning, that His, His mercy triumphs over judgment. 
So with that in mind, keep, keep in mind, loving kindness, justice, and righteousness, and turn over to a, a very familiar scripture to all intercessors, Ezekiel 22, verse 30. And in this scripture, God's, God's looking at Israel who, who their, their sins have come to full measure. And the Lord says to them, Ezekiel 22, verse 30, He says, So I sought for a man among them who would, who would make up a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it, but I found no one. In other words, I found no one that would stand in the gap. Therefore, I have recompensed their deeds upon their own heads, says the Sovereign Lord. I think it's interesting that God, in all the prophecies, he, you know, sometimes he, it says, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, or thus saith uh, the Almighty God, or thus saith Jehovah. But in this verse it says, Thus saith the Sovereign Lord. So here's a sovereign God saying, Here's a nation that my loving kindness nature wants to show mercy on them. But my just nature is that their sins have reached full maturity, therefore their sins must be judged. Okay? And then there's the righteousness nature of God that if He is going to intervene and show mercy instead of judgment, as we sang this morning, that it's going to have to be done through a man who will stand up in the gap in the earth. In other words, without us right now as the body of Christ standing in the gap on behalf of, of wickedness, on behalf of the lost, on behalf of our families, or even on behalf of the promises that God's made over your own life, that, that the, the judgment that, that God cannot bring His Word to pass without us. The whole, the whole Bible and the whole relationship between God and mankind is that mankind participates with God in what He wants to accomplish in the earth. So everything God does, He does through, He looks for a man who would stand in the gap. That's why God Himself had to become a man in order to rescue man. There was no other, there was no other way that God could save man once man sinned. It, whatever God was going to do to redeem man, it had to be done through a man. And the only way it could be done would be through a pure and righteous man. Therefore, God Himself had to become man in order to redeem man uh, from sin and from, the, from what happened. So everything God does in the earth, once He establishes something, He can't go around what He established in order to accomplish His will. So what's that got to do with, with you and I? God wants us to participate and co-labor with Him in the earth to see the manifestation of His promises in His kingdom come to pass. Um, in 1 Samuel, uh, I think it's chapter 3, there was, there was uh, uh, Eli was the priest and he had these wicked sons and everything. And it made this statement. It says, and, and there was no... There was no, the word of the Lord was rare. There was no ongoing revelation of God coming forth. But see, today, uh, that's, that's a very sad verse in the Bible. Because of Israel's sin, because of the sinful nature of the priesthood, there was, a, there was no continuing revelation. There was no word of God that was coming forth in the land. But see, we're living in an hour where the word of God and the prophetic word and the prophetic voice is anything but rare. And so there, there is a, a responsibility for you and I as sons and daughters of God, to, to respond to what the prophets are bringing. When you have a, a house like this that it opens its pulpit, uh, I mean, every other week we have a, another prophetic voice that's in here prophesying, declaring what God's saying over Dallas, Texas, and what God's saying to you personally, what God's saying over America. And see, there's, there's, there's prophets that are, I mean, ABC, CBS, CNN, they're prophesying over our nation. But see, the body of Christ has a responsibility to prophesy the heart of God, to process, prophesy according to what, you know, I think I shared a couple of weeks ago, the blood of Jesus is speaking better things over our nation, and that as our voice comes into agreement with the testimony of the blood, then our voice becomes, like Matthew prayed, that it becomes God's voice in the earth. 
And so we want to agree with heaven to bring heaven into earth. And so what, what, what God is looking for for you, and I mean, in, in where I see this frustration in people where, you know, they receive prophetic words and promises, and there is a process to the word of the Lord coming to pass. But when, when, when Elijah received the promise of rain, he didn't go get an umbrella. I mean, when Elijah received the promise of rain, there had been a drought, I think, for three, maybe three and a half years or something like that. But he immediately went on his knees and prayed in the cloud. And so there's a responsibility when God says, look, I'm, I'm bringing you into a new business or I'm, or I'm going to save your household or I'm going to save your family or I'm going to bring laborers across the path of your children and, and they're all going to get saved or I'm going to break out in the school system and I'm going to use you mightily. Whatever God is prophesying and declaring over your life, there's a responsibility that we have to take that word and to take it to God in prayer and to stand and declare and pray and intercede according to the word of God. That's how God works. Um, in... Uh, in Jeremiah, let me look at this scripture. I want to get this right. In Jeremiah 23:18, this is a story of Jeremiah is, is a prophet in Israel, but he's a prophet at the time that Israel is going into Babylonian captivity. And so um, that's not the right scripture. That's not the one I was looking for, actually. That's a great scripture. That's not the one I was wanting. No, I don't know where it is. Anyway, so Jeremiah, he's, he's praying, and, and he says, uh, he's saying, look, you're going to go into captivity. Don't fight it. You're going into captivity. But there's false prophets in Israel, and they were saying, you shall surely not go into captivity, but the Lord's going to restore all the articles of silver of, of worship back into your temple, all this stuff. And Jeremiah was saying, look, don't listen to them. But if you think they're, if you think they're prophesying the truth, then, then let intercession be made according to what they're prophesying. But I can tell you it's not going to work. They're going into captivity anyway. So I mean, here's Jeremiah basically saying, look, if you think it's the word of the Lord, then, then intercede accordingly. And, 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 it'll, and it won't come to pass. But he's saying, I'm saying it is the word of the Lord and it's going to come to pass. So basically he's saying, look, intercession is always made according to the word of the Lord. And so when God, when God is saying something, it's intercession mingled with that prophetic word that brings it to pass. So we have a responsibility for the word of the Lord to come to pass in our lives, to see the Word of the Lord come to pass in our nation, to see the, the Word of the Lord come pass in our city of Dallas, that there's a, there's a, there's a responsibility for us to co-labor with God. And it's, it's such a privilege and such an honor and such a, a responsibility to, uh, to participate with heaven on what God wants to do in the earth. And we're missing out on the exciting part of our relationship with God because, uh, you know, I used to be a bird hunter uh, and I had bird dogs. I still am a bird hunter. And I had, but I used to have bird dogs. And when a young dog figured out that the fun is where the gun is, that's when it all came together for the, for the dog. You know, I mean, the puppies, they just had good instincts and they, they pointed birds and everything, but they just liked to watch them flush. But when they figured out that the fun is where the gun is, well, see, God told me a long time ago, he says, son, I've got the gun. And if you learn to wait upon the Lord and begin to speak, you know, it's one thing to pray according to the written word of God. Okay, and we, and we should do that. But it's another thing to pray, you know, let there be light when the Spirit of the Lord is brooding upon the waste places that God shows you. So when we wait upon the Lord in, the, in prayer, you know, the Lord says, I reveal, I no longer call you servants, but I call you friends. Because a servant does not lo know what his master is about, but his friends know. And see, God has invited us to be friends, to be co-laborers with Him. Like we sung this morning, you know, John leaned upon the, the, the breast of Jesus and yet he's the one that wrote Revelation. 
See, because those that have the greatest intimacy with God, they carry the greatest revelation from God because He shares His secrets with His friends. Can I do anything in the earth without showing my friend Abraham what I'm about to go do? So he went and told Abraham what he was about to go do. And what did Abraham do? He interceded for the people that God was about to judge. And so there's a, there's a responsibility when God shows you that, that judgment's coming or God shows you that I want to bring revival or God shows you that, hey, I want to bring your marriage, your, your mate forth in this hour. There's a responsibility for us to pray until the manifestation of that comes to pass and to not give up. And so I feel today that, that there's, a, there's been even a, a weariness in the body of Christ, even among those who pray, even those who, who uh, intercede regularly, that God wants to um, bring in a, a, a fresh wind of His Spirit and to blow off the residue of the past and disappointments and discouragement. Because the Bible says we grow weary in well-doing. And so a lot of times when we, we grow weary because we don't understand the importance and the privilege that we have to co-labor with God to see things all the way through to the end. Amen? In, um, in Zechariah chapter 8, verse 9, it says, Let your hands be strong, you who have been hearing the word spoken by the prophets. And so there's a, and, then, and right before that he says, be careful how you hear, you who have been hearing the words that have been spoken by the prophets. So there's a, there's a responsibility to us that are hearing from heaven to respond with a soberness like there's, there's a cost to hearing. And I think that Storehouse, when they've heard so many prophetic voices, when we hear so many prophets coming through and all the good things that we're hearing in this hour, that there's a responsibility for us to hear soberly and carefully and, and, to, and to mark the words. The scripture that I had earlier that um, uh, I, did, I gave the wrong scripture is Jeremiah 23, 18. Jeremiah says, Who has stood in the council of the Most High? Who has perceived His word? Who has marked His word? In other words, who's, who stood? And it says, Then let Him speak. It's like the, the body of Christ needs not to hear from people who aren't spending time in the presence of God. The prophetic voice comes from those that have spent time in the council of Almighty God, that have heard His Word straight from heaven, that have marked His Word, that take it soberly and, and seriously. And so God is looking for a people that will, will, when they hear the prophetic Word, they go, man, that, that is something that I'm going to take into the, to my prayer closet. And see, the, the burden that God's given me may be different than the bur burden that God's given you. I mean, for every husband, housewife, for every father, mother, I mean, there are responsibilities that, that you have that I don't have. But there's things that God has spoken over your family, spoken over your children, spoken over your businesses. There's spheres of influence. Like the word of the Lord this year is that God is, is, is establishing His people at the gate. And so this is, a, this is a year that God's people are being established in the, in the positions of responsibility, the strategic places throughout the city in businesses and in, in school systems and the, in, uh, the legal systems and things like that. That it, it's time that, that those bushel baskets be taken off the body of Christ. I mean, it's, it's the, like Tracy said, it's the time that the body of Christ is ready to arise and shine in that sphere of influence. And so there's a responsibility for us to pray to see those things manifest in the earth. Even in, in, uh, in Matthew 9, verse 38, Jesus himself said, pray, pray ye to the Lord of the harvest that He'll send harvesters out into the, into the harvest fields. I mean, isn't that interesting that God is saying, look, you got to pray, pray to me so that I'll send harvesters. I mean, my mind goes, Lord, if you want to send harvesters, just send them. 
you know. But no, the Lord needs us on this end, on the earth, praying God send labors into the harvest. In Revelation, it says the Spirit and the bride said come. I mean, so it's, it's us cooperating with the Holy Spirit to ask Jesus to come back again. And so the Spirit and the bride say come. In, in Isaiah 66, it says that as soon as Zion travailed, she brought forth her children. So there's a, there's a travailing that God wants to bring forth. See, the, 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 the Lord wants to, to birth, just like that prophetic word I started off with this morning. God was commending that man that things that he birthed in the Spirit, the Lord said 20 to 25 years ago, you birthed things in the Spirit that we're just now seeing on that stage during that three weeks ago. And so God was commending him. The things that you're seeing today were things and reminding him, those were things that you prayed and birthed 25 years ago. And the Lord was just commending him for his uprightness and his, and his steadfastness to stay in that place of prayer. So there's things that, that we're birthing in this hour that, we're, 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 that are coming forth in this hour that, that the generations right now are walking right into. So I want to... Um, just speaking to the younger generation that's represented here today, you'll never know what it's like to have had, to know that you're reaping what other people have sown through years of prayer and steadfastness and intercession. That, that you don't know what it's like to come into a, a, a church like this that really was, was uh, cried out for and shown in prayer um, you know, 20, 30 years ago. That people were praying a, about a wineskin where no longer would all your talents, resources, and giftings flow up to a one-man leadership so he could fulfill his vision, but that the vision of leadership would make sure that all your gifts, talents, and anointings would be fulfilled in you going out and fulfilling your calling, your destiny in Christ. That's something that, I mean, there's churches all over this land that aren't even walking in that. and They'll, they'll probably go to their grave never having tasted that. But this is the new wineskin. This is it. And this was things that were birthed, I can tell you, 15, 20, 30 years ago in prayer. And so uh, the Davids have come out of the house of Saul, that type of thing where you know, Saul said, you know, he was a king, he'll take the best of your sons and the best of your daughters, the best of your to work in his fields, and the best of your cattle, and the best of your the best of your crops and fields to, to come into his kingdom. Everything was all about building his kingdom. Where when David came out of Saul, everything was about the captains of hundreds, the captains of fifties, the captains of thousands being released so that all the earth would know that there's a God in Israel. And so this is a whole new House of David type church, Tabernacle of David really, type church, to where it's all about the body of Christ finding its place and fulfilling its destiny where God has called you to be. You don't have to come and learn algebra. <laughs> My wife liked it. Well, honey, I think we just touched, we just had a breakthrough moment. My wife liked algebra. That explains everything. <laughs> oh, man. That explains the balance counterbalance. <laughs> Unbelievable, honey. So, so, so you can explain to me the purpose of algebra when this gets through. In Ezekiel 40, Ezekiel was commanded to speak and prophesy over the dry bones. 
But he, he spoke what, he, what God told him to speak. And, and I already mentioned in 1 Kings, Elijah, he, he prophesied that it, was going to rain, that it was going to rain, but then he prayed in the cloud. In Daniel, Daniel prayed in response to a prophetic word. As, as Israel's in captivity, he's, he's, he's reading the word of the Lord, and he sees where after so many years, God's going to release them from captivity. He looks at his calendar and says, that's now and begins to pray and intercede according to a prophetic word from Jeremiah hundreds of years before. So it's up to us to, to lay hold of the prophetic words that God is speaking and to pray those into existence and to prophesy to the dry bones in the area and to call those things that be not as though they are. See, Jesus, we all want to be like Jesus, but Jesus didn't go from, from miracle to miracle. He went from place of prayer to place of prayer and in between did miracles. Over and over again, it says, And Jesus, having been on the mountain, looked at the man and said, Stretch forth your hand. And Jesus, arising early and having been with the Father, spoke to the man, Rise up and walk. So everything that Jesus did, He saw first in the prayer closet. The, 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 the place of power in the body of Christ is the place of prayer. The Bible says that those that pray in secret, God will reward openly. And so everything, when, like when you start the day in prayer, it's like your whole day, your, the rest of the day is just mopping up what you did in the prayer room. It really is. I mean, just what you do in business as a businessman or as a student or whatever it is you're, as a housewife, whatever it is that God's called you to do, it's done in the prayer closet. I'm looking at Lori. <laughs> I just keep, Lori's boss and I, are, I know, I've known him from years before. Energy store. So, so one day I'm about to go to bed and her boss calls me. And I didn't know it was her boss until just a few weeks ago. But he calls me, I'm not going to mention his name, but he calls me up and his son had been shot in the back of his head, point blank range. And so it's like 10.30 at night and, and um, I, had, I had been teaching a Bible study for, for years and, and, and her boss came to this Bible study. So he calls me up and says, Pete, I got an emergency. My son was just shot in the back of his head. And so I just came in agreement. I said, okay, I'll meet you at the hospital. And I prayed with him. I said, I said, Lord, I just pray that this bullet bypasses every major artery, every major nerve, and, and there's no effect whatsoever. So I'm, I'm actually getting dressed. I'd just gone to bed when he called. And so I'm, he, I'm about to meet him at Parkland. So I'm getting dressed as I'm putting on my jeans to go. It's like the Lord speaks to me and says, it's done. You don't need to go. And so I went back to bed. The next morning, Bob, uh, Bob calls me. And he's, he says, it's actually not Bob, but so he calls me and he says, uh, he says, unbelievable miracle. He said that um, it bypassed every major thing, every major nerve. He's going to have maybe a little bit of hearing damage and that's going to be it. The kid was shot point blank at the back of his head. But every morning when we had that Bible study, Bob would say to me, his prayer request was, I can't remember all their names, but Ashley, Jason, Christopher, I may have missed those names, but anyway. But he named all his kids and we prayed for him every single morning. And so what happened was is that what he had been covered in prayer, really, it was, he was covered before the incident ever happened. And so there's a, there's a power and a privilege to prayer because prayer changes everything. Jesus went from place of miracle, to, from miracle to miracle, but in between he prayed. And if we want to be like Jesus, we go from place of prayer. As Matthew was, was taking the offering this morning, I was thinking about how prayer and, 
and, and sowing and tithing is very similar because it, it, it takes time as money. And so when you, when you sow in your, in, in, in your natural resources, once you finally get the revelation of that, it's like you're like, I'll never, do, I'll never not do this again because I don't know how it works, but I can't make it without doing it. it just, it's supernatural how it works. It's like, how can I, I've only got so much money. How is it that when I give so much of it to God, I just got more than I ever had before? I don't know how it works. But it's the same way with your time in prayer. If you begin the day with prayer, it's like, I don't have time to pray. I mean, our, we have such busy lives. It's like, if, but if you begin the day with prayer, you're like, what, how, I don't know how it is, but I've got more time for myself. I've got, I get more done in less time. My day is organized. Everything just begins to line up. And it's, it's literally, I've walked in, in times where I'm so in the spirit in my business where it's like one deal comes and I ship it out, I invoice it, I get paid. The next deal comes, I ship it out, I invoice it. It's like, I don't know if you ever remember those cartoons with like Popeye or Mr. Magoo or whatever. I don't know, some of those don't, may not know. But I mean, they, they were they're sleepwalking, you know, and they're on the ledge and, and they just sleep and they just step out and the next deal comes and the beam picks them up. It, it's like that in the spirit when you pray. It's like when I prayed for, for Bob that day, it's like it was just, it, it was just we, we were already in the Spirit. We've already prayed. We've already taken ground. It's like, it, it's like the song we sang this morning about Mary at the feet of Jesus. Whatever he asked her, I mean, because he's such a friend of intimacy with the Lord that whatever she asked, she received. Lord, if, my bro, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. He was immediately broken because of, of her pain that he raised her brother from the dead. So God is touched with our infirmity and our affliction. He knows where we are. He knows your frustrations. He knows where you're disappointed. He knows how the enemy is accusing God before, before him. See, the enemy doesn't only accuse us before God. He accuses God before us. To where we begin to agree with, well, God's not helping me. God doesn't love me. You know, God's not merciful. God's always out to get me. He's always trying to teach me something. Well, see, those are strongholds that keep us from receiving what God wants to give us. I mean, you know, there's like, you can have faith in God, but have an overriding doubt that keeps God from blessing you. You know, I mean, so you can, you can believe God heals, but you don't necessarily receive healing because you believe God's trying to teach you something. You know, that's an overriding doubt. I mean, can you learn something while you're sick? Yeah. But if you were a good dad, would you put sickness on your kids so they could learn something? No. That's not the way God works. When Jesus had healing meetings, He healed them all. I mean, they, He healed all who came to Him. And so my question is, is if you were at Jesus' healing meeting, would you have gotten healed? I mean, how much faith does it take to get healed? It takes enough faith to come to the meeting. <laughs> See, we make it about our faith, and really the enemy actually does this. He makes it about our faith because it's a little bit of faith. It's the object of our faith. It's not our faith. It's the object of our faith. It's, it's not what we're, it's not, if we look at our faith, we'll never get healed because we'll never have enough. We'll never measure up to what we think God requires. But if we look at God and the, and the, the bigness of God, that a he who would not withhold his only begotten son, will he not also with him freely give us all things besides? See, I always tell people, look, if it's not free, it wasn't God. Because if you think you earn or deserve it, you'll never get it. It's always when we're at the, 
the, the end of ourself when we recognize that there's nothing we can do to get ourselves out of this mess. You know, there's nothing we can do. When I, when I got saved, I was at the very end of myself. I was at the place where really, I mean, the whole world would have walked out on me and I felt like they did, but that's when God walked in. And it's the same way with any situation. It's when we finally are, are emptied of ourselves and our own ability to get something from God, that's when God comes and, and brings it in. Faith comes by hearing. Romans 10, 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes by the Word of God. Faith comes by hearing, but hearing comes by the Word of God. So we, you can hear the Word of God, hear the Word of God, and suddenly one day you hear the Word of God, and there's a faith that enables you to receive what God wants you to do. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing comes by the Word of God. In Galatians 3.15, Paul says, He who works miracles among you, does he do it? by the observing of the law or the, by that hearing that comes by faith. So obviously God's not talking about a hearing with the natural ears. So we're hearing the Word of God this morning, but suddenly there's a light bulb that comes on in your spirit where your spirit lays hold of it. See, the place of, of revelation is the place of authority. You know what I'm saying? I mean, authority in the prayer closet comes when you get the revelation of why you pray. God wants us to pray with authority. He wants us to move mountains. He wants us to just shake our culture. He wants to bring to pass the promises in your life. This morning, I think God wants to just um, impart according to the word of the Lord that's brought this morning. I mean, you know, God always watches over His word to perform it. And if we were teaching on healing, then God would be healing. If we were teaching on the baptism of the Holy Spirit, God would be baptizing people in the Holy Spirit. But He sent me here today to preach on to, to speak on prayer and to declare on prayer. And I know there's, there's uh, prayer warriors in this house, but there's also prayer warriors that are weary that have let go of some of just the basic things. And uh, I recently had a word. I saw this this morning as I was praying. But I had a word over a guy recently, and I saw him like a big timepiece, like a big clock. And God's hand was reaching into his heart, and he was recalibrating the timepiece because it wasn't clicking right. And I saw even his, like his mind, his emotions, that God was just going to recalibrate him, that he would always be in step with the Holy Spirit, that he would always, that his timepiece would be corrected. And I feel like this morning that that's what I saw in prayer is that to some of the intercessors, God's recalibrating your timepiece this morning. So let's stand up. And we're, we're not through yet because we're going we're gonna to have the intercessors. We're going to pray for, for those that are, that, that are weary in praying, that need prayer, you may have need prayer for a hundred different things, but I really believe the way my gifting work it works is as we impart according to what we're speaking and what we're praying over this morning. So I, I know you may need healing. I know you may have financial needs, whatever. But I think more than anything else, you need to have prayer and a lifestyle of prayer and an anointing for prayer imparted into your life. So, you know, one of the basic... Um, Hebrews chapter 11, when it's talking about just the base, or excuse me, Hebrews chapter 4, or 5 or 6, the end of 5, beginning of 6, where it's talking about laying again the elementary foundations of our faith. One of those elementary foundations is the laying on of hands. That's an elementary foundation of the body of Christ. And so I value that gift of impartation. I believe in it, that whatever is communicated is imparted. And so we're going to lay hands for an impartation this morning. The intercessors are. We're going to lay hands for an impartation this morning upon those that are just need to see their prayer life supercharged. I believe God's going to release just an anointing for prayer for breakthrough.
as we do this. So Lord, first I want to pray, Lord, just over every intercessor in the house. And Lord, just like you did Simeon, Lord, you commended him for being steadfast in prayer. That Father, the things that have been birthed in the Spirit that God will see in the natural, that God will see from, from what we've seen in the prayer closet, we'll see the manifestation of our prayers. And that Lord, that you would come even now and do a recalibrating, Lord, in the minds, the hearts, the focus. That, Lord, where we even have gotten into a routine about how we pray, or just a, a routine that you want to break routines, that you want to, want to break through from maybe declaring and praying and asking into just celebrating and receiving, Lord. That, Father, that there's, a, there's a celebration for the body of Christ. There's a time, Father, where we... we the Bible says, you said in um, Isaiah 21... He said, does the plowman plow all night and not reap the crops? Does he not sow the seed? And so, Father, there's, there's plowers in here. There's people who have plowed all night. There are people who have labored in prayer all night. But, Lord, nevertheless, at your word, Lord, we say it's time for the harvest. We say, Lord, that there's a harvesting of the things that have been prayed for. That, Lord, that there's, a, that, that there's a celebration, Father, to see on earth the things that we prayed for in the Spirit. So, Lord, I pray over the intercessors right now that there be an awakening, that there be a quickening this morning, that, God, that your angels uh, are descending upon this place with scrolls, with direction, with, uh, Lord, like you did uh, Elijah when he was weary, you gave him manna from heaven that encouraged him. Then, Father, I just declare that the body of Christ is, is crossing over into the promised land, that we're going from being gatherers in the wilderness to warriors who take spoil for your kingdom and for your glory in this hour. Father, we thank you that the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord, just as the waters cover the sea. Father, we just declare that is our prayer as this day, that God, that your glory will be seen in the earth, Lord, as you have spoken it in heaven. That God, that there is a rising up, that Lord, there's a fresh mantle, there's new mantles being poured out, Lord, upon intercessors in this house. That God, you're awakening new intercession, you're awakening new intimacy with you. That, Lord, that, that where the prayer life has gotten rusty or dull, we just declare, Lord, that there's a sharpening of the axe. There's a sharpening today where there's been dullness. In Jesus' name, we thank you for it, Lord.